0: (laughs) Remind me and I will attempt to dig up the picture and link to it in the show notes because it's the best How long
1: have you been sitting on a McDonald's John McAfee story thinking someday those will both come up in the same sentence and today is your day?
0: and enemies, welcome listeners to Bad Voltage Series 3, Episode 12. I'm Stuart Lowridge and Woo-hoo. here are John O'Bacon and Jeremy, we didn't decide on a name again, do did it. we?
2: Do it, do it,
0: Jeremy Audrey Garcia. <laughs> even more than he does. yeah. <laughs> wow, you see, we utterly failed to prep. We do all this prep about actual, you know, things, and we always forget the name. I'm going to put a note in the show notes <laughs> to remind us to think of the name. Um, you got to live in the moment. <laughs> Then we need to get a lot better at improvisation. So, Fair. so welcome to the show. Shall we? Have you Have you been doing anything interesting recently? First of all, I should say, staying indoors a lot. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> I have actually ventured out slightly into the world, but only very slightly.
2: <laughs> so, you know, um, obviously, we're all trying to be responsible, and then you know california set on fire so we were treated to smoke everywhere and luckily we've not been uh, personally affected but this is a lot of smoke out there and a lot of people lost their houses sadly yeah but um i was just starting to get into the potential idea of you know you been a little bit more like socially distancing seeing people and then i discovered yesterday that it looks like this freaking covid can potentially cause chronic fatigue syndrome and it completely killed my possible mojo for going out and you know socially distant. And now I don't want to see anyone because that chronic fatigue syndrome sounds awful. It does not sound good, no.
0: It was kind of worrying. Um, we went out. Um, my my parents were here this weekend, and uh, we went into we went into town to do shopping. And probably two thirds of the people there no masks, piling up around the shop. Yeah. And crazy. you think this is very disappointing, people, you know, try harder. <laughs> but the it's shops, just not that difficult. The yeah. shops are doing quite a good job of um you can only have a couple of people in the shop at once and right. uh we'll you uh, don't gather in a big pile around the door and stay distance and so on. So yeah. so shops are trying, but I think a lot of the people walking around town, not so much. Are they
2: requiring where you are, act that you can't go in without a mask on? Because over here you, th- most businesses, like, we won't let you in unless you've got a mask on. Yeah. Oh, good. It's mandatory here, yeah.
0: Uh, it's it's weird. Um, they're not legally obliged to. A lot of shops are right. doing it anyway. But there's also been, from things like big supermarkets, so here in the UK you've got Tesco, Sainsbury's, things like that. Um, what they've told, what those organisations have told their staff is if someone comes in and they refuse to wear a mask, don't challenge them on it. Or say, you know, would you like to put a mask on? But if they say, no, I refuse. I'm not wearing one of your muzzles. Don't start a fight. Just let them do it. And I wow. I don't particularly like that policy, but I equally don't think I like the policy of start a screaming match and attempt to have them expelled from the premises. Yeah, it's just yeah. Th- What you're supposed to do is not be the sort of person who would go into a shop without a mask on in the first place, because it's their fault and not Sainsbury's fault. And can we take a
2: moment at this point in the show to shed a tear for all of the reasonable women out there called Karen, (laughs) who
0: have been (laughs) the bottom of the
2: jokes for all of those videos of people starting fistfights with people over (laughs) mask wearing. Think of the Karens, the reasonable Karens. Anyway.
0: Well, so here's the thing is, put a mask on, especially when you go into shops, people. Just do it. Just be sensible. Don't ever use the word muzzles. Because you sound like an idiot?
2: <laughs> no, no, don't do that. And now uh, this. All right. So, what have we got on the funny news side? You, you didn't you write something in here about
0: the uh, the flight sim thing? I did. <laughs> this is excellent. What happened? Um. So uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um. uh I don't know if you've played it. Um, or, or more Years impor- ago. More importantly, I don't know if you've played it recently, because it's no. now a startlingly accurate depiction of flying, and more importantly, the country, the land you're flying over. Hmm. Um, yep. So the last time I played it, I think... Uh, you know, you were flying a box <laughs> over a plain magenta landscape.
2: It looked, it looked like a Minecraft flight. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: But now it's really, really cool. And part of the way they got um, a lot of the uh, map, map data, so you can decide to fly over a particular uh, piece of land of your choice, um, part of the way they got a lot of that is they used open street map data. Which is pretty cool, cool. Um, and so they took a dump of the OpenStreetMap data at some point in the past in order to f- uh, f- fill it into the game, and then and then the game constructs a sort of three D view of the of the landscape based on the map data. Now right. there was um, some uh, some guy doing um, OpenStreetMap edits, and he accidentally typoed Uh, One particular building in the centre of Melbourne, in Australia, um, instead of being, say, 21 floors tall, he accidentally typoed it as being 212 floors tall.
2: Bit of a difference.
0: And then corrected it. But presumably in the gap in between him making the typo and it being corrected, that's when Microsoft took the dump of OpenStreetMap data. So, (laughs) there's all these Brilliant pictures of someone flying. In, the some, pictures are quite amusing. Someone flying over Melbourne, um, and it looks like a perfectly ordinary three D city, apart from one gargantuan tower of Babel <laughs> leading up to the heavens, <laughs> sort of touches the outer ionosphere. It's excellent. <laughs> I, I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. because First of all, the pictures are hilarious. Well done. Secondly, <laughs> um, it's interesting that they're using open source data for this right
2: yeah yeah well i also uh we also um our glorious uh, show editor who edits bad voltage marius uh mentioned he passes uh, a link to a, an article where apparently they, some people are using google maps to fix this and they're taking some of the buildings from google maps which is kind of see, interesting
0: that, so that i thought was interesting because the OpenStreetMap people have always been abundantly clear that you can't go anywhere near any of their map data yeah. if you've even like looked at a Google map or stood near someone who's looked at a Google map in their lives yeah. because they don't want to contaminate it. Um, so I don't quite know how they're doing this. Maybe they're filling in the details into Microsoft Flight Simulator directly or whatever, and maybe Google are going to complain about it or not. But, you know, it's being fixed, so cool.
2: One thing, uh, just because we've talked a lot about eggs recently in Bad Voltage, is that in the article that Mario shared with us, uh, it says local hero Sir Leonard Four found Murrayfield Stadium, which apparently is Scotland's egg chasing capital. What is an egg chasing
0: capital? What
2: does that what? mean? What? Is that no people idea. who roll
0: eggs down? Yeah, so people. My, my, Murrayfield's a rugby stadium, isn't it? The, uh, the right. Scottish National yeah. Rugby Stadium. <laughs>
2: apparently there's some kind of egg chasing going on there if you know what that means listeners please let us know on Slack because we have no idea what the hell
0: that we means don't, we oh, don't right. know what that means um, so uh, the next one um, this is potentially a really serious point but um, I'm not bringing it up to be serious at all and we're going to gloss over all the serious implications of it um, and just laugh at the concept which is that the FBI apparently worried that people are buying all these ring doorbells and then using them to spy on the place. <laughs> <laughs> kind of which, which is less you know um, laugh out loud funny and more like the concept of schadenfreude given newspaper form <laughs> but I'm like well done people keep it up <laughs>
2: Also think about the uh, the Amazon package deliverers as well because <laughs> it like people just like
0: throw it on the ground. Stuff not, like I think this is half the point of it, you know. I mean, I know um, I know people who have been buying um, the Ring doorbell. To be interesting to see what they're actually like. Have you got one? We used to have one
2: in our previous house, and they work reasonably well. I mean, honestly. The idea of it, I think, is better than the reality for us. Like, we just didn't really need it that much. Like, if someone knocks on the door, you just have a natural intuition to kind of run through and see them. And we didn't have that many axe murderers knocking on our door. I think if you live maybe in a... Like in an inner city Or like a, where, a place where there's more of a risk of crime um, Then you'll probably get a lot more use out of it But where we lived We didn't really have a lot of people knocking our door in the first place So we didn't really need it
0: somewhere. You see, I thought the purpose isn't really about meant to be about crime at all It's meant to be about if you're out and someone comes to the door You can still talk to them or whatever
2: I mean, you can do that I basically never
1: did that I've never seen anyone do that outside of a commercial Right <laughs> okay.
0: So everyone's just using it to watch for criminals Okay <laughs> Pretty, pretty much, yeah,
2: and yeah, post hilarious videos of Amazon delivery drivers chucking their bone china package. (laughs)
0: That that is that is the reasonable thing. Um, uh, So the next one, um, and again, this is a brief one because again, it's probably quite serious, but I don't care. Is that um, there's a uh, city in Japan (laughs) called Yamato, and they've actually legally banned people from walking down the street while looking at their smartphones, which. I would just like to applaud on behalf of bad voxage because it's really <laughs>
2: annoying. It is really annoying. It
1: is That's not the funny takeaway I took from the article though. I did not know that Antwerp in Belgium and Washington DC in the US have created "quote unquote" cell phone lanes for pedestrians to use while on their phones. You Had are no kidding. idea. That's the funnier part of the story. That South Korea has good point. installed flickering lights and laser beams at crossings hoping to get people's attention. Because being at a crossing is not enough.
0: <laughs> on the, on the, on the <laughs> other hand, um, I'd be interested to, um, let's do a little um, three-person and therefore completely comprehensive survey, because uh, mm. I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot about polls, reading the newspapers at the moment, so let's do a three-person Sample size poll. three, <laughs> definitely
1: sig- <laughs> s- statistically significant, is what I've <laughs>
0: um, Have you walked down the street while looking at a smartphone?
1: Yes, ever? I'm quite sure, yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, many times.
0: (laughs) Me too. Yeah, exactly. So this is more a survey of hypocrisy than anything
2: else. Well, let me ask the follow-on poll question. Have you ever walked into a lamppost while reading something. It could be a smartphone, it could be a newspaper, it could be a book.
0: Ah, now that you've added the correction, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is to say no because
2: it almost
1: assuredly means I'm going to walk into something today, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> this seems like the definition of tempting fate, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's never happened to me. I've never fallen down a manhole while <laughs> looking at my phone.
2: <laughs> right. Jeremy, you're going to now have to wear like a camera on your head. It's going to be Jeremy.TV, walking around. <laughs> so... Yeah. Brilliant. Jeremy, um,
0: @sheepdogicam.info. We... That sounds great. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> should we talk about the woman uh who saw <laughs> Jesus's face in a potato <laughs> and then ate it?
0: <laughs> the the worst thing about this, there's a picture um of this potato with Jesus's face on it and they've put a big red ring around the bit where Jesus's face is. And I can't see it at all. I don't know if it's like one of those magic eye pictures, but about Jesus. But it just looks like a potato to me. So I I can't
1: roughly see a face. It looks more like John McAfee to me than anyone. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it it does. I mean... I'm not sure if that increases the price of the crisp or decreases the price of the crisp, but...
2: I, I, What's I, amazing to me is, is you know, like you, you see these faces on food items. Like, do you remember the nun bun,
0: right? And, I was going to it mention was... the nun bun. I didn't know if, uh, <laughs> is there anyone younger <laughs> than us who remembers the nun <laughs> bun? It's, <laughs> it's like, you know, the Carnegie Melon Fish and stuff like this. The thing from the <laughs> dawning of the internet. <laughs> Well,
2: when you looked at that, it was it was very visible, right? And uh, with this, you've really got to squint your eyes quite a bit to see this, to see Jesus. So it begs the question to me, how much are people staring at potatoes? By the way, staring at potatoes might be the show title.
0: Um, <laughs> I'll make you a note of that. I'm, I'm, of that. I'm, I'm calling it that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because you've got to look at this with some fairly serious eagle eyes to be able to you know not action man eagle eyes like actual legalised to be able to see it so i don't know i have so many qu- so i i had never heard of
1: the nun bun i have looked up the <laughs> nun bun a looks nothing like a nun b follow-up story nine years after the nun bun first became famous it was stolen five thousand dollar reward was offered to no avail
0: the nun, really really wow yeah. this is like this the is last like a major the, heist dude. The, the last
1: line of the article you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder what happened to the nun, bun. I mean, anything. Did you see that woman who found um, she'd kept a McDonald's burger for 25 years and it had, like, barely rotted, <laughs> which says something about what goes into McDonald's food. Here's
1: the thing about an entire meal that costs 99 cents. You should never eat it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you see right there, that's the coastal elitism. <laughs>
0: Although, um, as a
2: man who has eaten garbage <laughs> for his entire life, I disagree with That's that statement. Just,
0: I, I was going to say, I, I, I feel <laughs> like Jono is our local expert on this kind of thing. He's like the opposite of a connoisseur when it comes to food.
1: As, as, as someone who I once saw ate
2: 27 consecutive meals at Carl's Jr., I, I believe you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I believe me, of-
2: people. That, that has a... A detrimental impact on the human digestive
0: system. I I had no choice. So, um, very briefly, before we move on, I would like to show you a John McAfee story, which is not actually about John McAfee at all. Um mm-hmm. I saw um, you know, McDonald's, um, after they started getting hassled up since we talk about McDonald's, it's no full circle, right? Um after they started getting hassled about how their food was unhealthy and the government was maybe gonna regulate them and so on, they came up with the idea that they'd sell um like semi decent coffee and things like that uh, as a in know, a kind cafe. of cafe fiber, yeah. and they called it mccafe. And I saw someone had a picture of one of their cups with McCafe on it. This is on Twitter. And then underneath they'd written, I bought your product, I still have virus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Remind me and I will attempt to dig up the picture and link to it in the show notes Because it's the best How long
1: thing. have you been sitting on a McDonald's John McAfee story <laughs> Thinking someday those will both come up in the same sentence And
0: today is your day Literally every, everything in the world happens in bad voltage sooner or later
2: <laughs> it's, it, it, it is it's it is true By the way, if have either of you Just before we go into the serious news Have, have either of you seen the documentary about John McAfee? On Netflix, about him like living in Belize and running his own militia and stuff like that. No,
0: he's he's well over the edge at this point, from what I can tell. Yeah,
2: it is. It is one of the most mind blowing stories I've ever seen. It's incredible. If anyone hasn't seen that documentary, go and check it out. Do, do, it's it's that guy's life is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: I did not know there was film at 11. I might have a look at that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah. So, anyway.
0: Let's talk about some more serious news.
2: Let's let's go back to our usual professional journalism state. So, uh, Facebook are threatening to pull news from Australia if a particular new
0: law passes. This is really interesting. And this is um, is. very up-to-date news. It's like the last two days. Um, So, uh, well, Jeremy, do you want to summarise?
1: Yeah, so there was a law recently passed in Australia basically saying that if you... It's not that Facebook is offering news or snippets of news, as as is the case with Google. What they want here is if you as a user of Facebook post news, that journalistic outlet wants to receive money. And Facebook's response has kind of been, no, we're not going to do that. To the point that they're considering, I believe, pulling out of Australia if, if this article is to be believed. Or not allowing you to post links to news sites.
0: Yeah, my understanding of the thing is that um uh the Australian government are attempting to uh it's uh journalism protectionism, I suppose you'd call it. Um they want to make sure that well, I mean, we've talked a bunch in the past about how um uh if you want good journalism, you need to pay for it, we need to make sure that um news organizations stay alive. And so this is this is an attempt to do that. And what Facebook have said is, um, no, we're not um, uh, we're not uh, giving any money to any news organisations at all. And if you attempt to make us do it, we'll just prevent everyone in Australia from posting any news or any links to any news articles anywhere ever. And as far as I can tell, it's an attempt to face down the Australian government who are now basically going, okay, catch you later, Bill and Ted. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how this Works out because I think I'm not necessarily sure I hugely like the way the Australian government are going about this, but they're attempting to do something rather than just going, Oh, well, I guess we'll watch journalism crater then, and Facebook and Google get to keep all the money because there's nothing we can do about it. Any move in any direction might be an improvement.
1: I don't think so. So I could not be more pro-journalist, as I have reminded folks on multiple yes. occasions on this show. Please support journalism, local journalism especially, but journalism in general, more important than it's ever been. And as someone who pays for quite a few journalistic outlooks, because I believe in this, and someone who thinks Facebook is a tire fire of garbage, <laughs> I actually agree <laughs> with Facebook on this one. I think if... There are certain cases where if Facebook was curating news and offering facebook.com slash news or whatever in the app, a news section where they were curating news items and taking snippets, they should be paying journalistic outlets for that and probably would be a good idea if they did so. If you're going to say any random user who posts news to any random site, they're then on the hook to pay. By by allowing the users to post news, those outlets are getting more viewers by definition. And it's not something that Facebook controls. Like if it's user-generated content in that form and you're not scraping, I don't know why you would pay. I don't know what you're paying for.
0: As as I understand it, and I might understand this one. Part, part of the reason I wanted um you to introduce this rather than me is that I'm not fully sure I've grasped this. But if you were just posting a link. And so if someone wanted to see what the link was, they had to go off to that newspaper's site. I don't think news organizations would have a problem with it. It's that you can consume all that news and never leave Facebook, either because you're reading the um, the pulled-in snippets or uh, Facebook Instant News articles or something like that. And So Facebook Instant so- News
1: articles, I think they do have to pay. My interpretation of this article is not that. It's just the user-generated portion.
0: But if you post a a link, it goes away and fetches. um, I mean, and most things do this, right? They go away and get a preview image and a summary of the content and the headline and so on. But what that actually means is, in practice, if if all you want to read is the summaries, which is all most people do read, then you never leave Facebook. So the news organizations are not getting any extra hits. They're doing all the reporting and no one even shows up on their website. And that is, I think, the sort of thing they're trying to stop. And Facebook are very much um, nothing to do with us. We're just uh, it, what I don't like is the arrogance of Facebook's thing. Say so the the vibe to me is very much how dare you attempt to limit what we do? Don't you get it? We're Facebook. Is but that might be flat out prejudice on my part. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: you're a very hateful human being. So well. That's- very only, likely,
0: only a, cer- only a certain <laughs> targets. Um, so,
2: <laughs> mainly very, mainly very, very uh, handsome English co-hosts. <laughs> um.
0: So, <laughs> I think this is wow. interesting. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how this evolves over the next um, couple of weeks or months. I think it will be because right. it could be a bellwether for something for things changing. So, I think that that's why Google like?
1: and Facebook both will fight this tooth and nail. Because they don't. It's not about Australia. It's about the precedent being set, and then other
2: countries. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Agree.
0: Yeah. Totally.
2: Did you uh, Did you see that Zoom's market cap is now 115, about 115 billion, and that makes them worth more than IBM? So I I did see this because I put it in there last night, and as of today, they're up
1: again. So it's actually 127 billion as as of the time of this recording. For context, IBM as of today 109. The thing that fascinates me here, I get that Zoom's a growth company and IBM very much right now, not a growth company. Revenue for the last quarter, IBM, $18.1 billion. Zoom, $328 million, which equates to operating income for, for uh, IBM, $1.94 billion. Zoom, $33 million. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh,
0: you see, I think, but I think to me... This is just more examples of stock prices and market caps, things like that, bear no resemblance to reality whatsoever.
1: stocks they only go up. (laughs) I
0: mean, and I think Zoom, um, despite the fact, as we've talked about on the show, they have some, they're prepared to do some extremely unpleasant technical things in pursuit of what they see as a slick user experience. And I don't like it. But... I think there is a reason that they that they did really well out of suddenly the world turning to video calling, and that's that they're actually better than everyone else at it. Zoom calls, in they my are. experience, are more reliable breakdown, less have more features, are better. So Zoom went down yes.
1: the other day, and it dawned on me that despite all the global pandemic happening and everything happening in Zoom these days... That's the first outage I can remember them having, which for a company of their size and their age, very impressive, honestly. So I think they're doing a great job. $126 billion valuation. Yeah. It's I mean, a little bit rich.
0: And, 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 not, and not just um, their age and their size, but the fact that they spun up from being two people in a shed to serving the whole world in the space of six months. Um, I think it's the,
2: that, that's the thing. Like them, given the fact that basically the world started using Zoom because it's what a lot of people have heard of. And probably they had good good, good Google search rankings for video calls. Um, Onboarding that level of growth with that, like Jeremy says, like with the level of reliability is people are going to write about this in the history books in tech. Like it's it's mind-blowing. And I I don't deny the fact that their valuation will be very, very high. The thing that I found interesting about Silicon Valley accounting is – to what extent like it doesn't necessarily have to be directly tied to revenue it could be projected revenue and they're definitely a very exciting company for a lot of people but i don't know whether it should be 70 billion or 500 billion it just at that point i think you're in the in the realm of making so the question from evaluation to to Justify
1: that kind of valuation. They're going to have to pivot into m- multiple areas that they're just not in right now. So yeah. doing that successfully yeah. will, I, I believe, be their challenge. Just goes to show yeah. you though, like Google Meet should have been so far ahead of this that it is, yeah, astounding oh how few Meet links I get these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and uh, the thing, uh, this the thing I don't understand about the valuation stuff. You're saying that the amount of money they're making in the six months during which everyone on earth is doing video calls multiple times a day, and no one was beforehand, and they're still only making a few hundred million, which, to be clear, is not nothing. But
2: <laughs> right.
0: how are they yep. worth a hundred? If you think, okay, I'm going to spend $115 billion on this company, where, how are you going to get that money back? It's I don't get it at all, but well, this, is, this, is about- this is not Zoom's fault. I don't get the whole thing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but it's like it's like TikTok, right? I mean, you know, TikTok have become very, very interesting to Microsoft, and it's because the, the, there there are just a, there's a massive concentration of users there, right? And it's probably the same thing with Zoom. The, the, the Microsoft Walmart acquisition rumor is a fascinating one. Um, what?
0: It, are Microsoft acquiring Walmart or Walmart acquiring no Microsoft, Microsoft and
2: Walmart <laughs> acquiring
0: TikTok? Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh,
2: I was going to say, wow! Can you imagine?
0: (laughs) I'm like, that's news. Also, radical reinterpretation of the text of their mission statement. A a computer on every desktop and broccoli on every desktop. It turns out
2: (laughs) (laughs) Microsoft desperate to sell that shitty new Surface phone, so they're like, we have to buy Walmart and put them in there. (laughs) The the by the way, the uh, what was that? What was that games console from the the uh, Nintendo? Was it? time and clock clock and game or do you remember those game and watch game and watch that my friends is the new microsoft surface phone it's terrible it looks
0: awful this is the unfoldy one yeah massive gap in the middle um you you ought to be able to uh fill in my feelings on this phone without even asking
2: (laughs) it's too small (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> Could
2: not. Uh, we are. We let's squeeze through the next two in a couple of minutes because we need time for our segment. Um, so Amazon wins FAA approval for, to deliver packages by drone. Yeah. So I put this one in here. The the details
1: were pretty lean. So I don't know exactly what this means. It did not indicate whether it was. Uh, where they could just carte blanche deliver things, or if you still needed line of sight, those are two way different things. So we'll be curious. Yeah, this yeah. article just came out, so we'll be curious to see the details. I just was more interested in what you both think of drone delivery in the abstract, this, this particular
2: item aside. I'm all for it.
0: I can't see how it works to a block flat. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's fine if you've got a massive, great, big garden, a massive, great, big front garden that a drone can land in. Um, but it's different in the UK anyway. I mean, um, in the US, and I might be wrong here because I'm basically basing this on the 1980s 8-bit game Paperboy. But um, <laughs> but, as far, but as far as I can tell, assuming that's anything like the truth, and I've seen things like this in films as well, um, th- people in the US are okay with the idea that um, a parcel that's delivered for them just sort of ends up somewhere in your front yard. And that counts as delivery, and that doesn't happen in the UK at all.
1: I, I don't think it happens here either.
0: So where does it, Where does a drone? How does the drone know where to land?
1: That sounds like a problem for the person writing software for drones. I, I, on your somewhere on your property. I, I, I don't think,
2: know. I think I think they'll figure this stuff out. I mean, it seems to me not enough of Earth is
1: addressable via
0: drone for this to ever be viable. This, this, this is what I think. You know, I mean, um, f- fine, the, ad- the address is um, accessible on a map and whatever, but working out where someone's letterbox is seems impossible. So I think where I could
1: see it maybe working are more suburbs or even further out where you could have a truck filled with packages and a few drones, drive to a neighborhood, it go, does its thing, delivers
2: the few. In cities, though, I, I just can't see this
1: working.
0: No, I can't at all.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe it will be only available to some people. Part of the reason why I'm supportive of this is I just want to see drones actually being used in lots of useful situations. So, for example, with the California life, uh, wildfires that have been going on, I, mean, I think drones could be really useful in potentially early detection of fires and notification of fire crews and even potentially drones going and, you know, dropping flame retardant on small fires and things like that. And we need the FAA to, FAA to approve drones um to even edge in that direction so
0: it would be it would be nice to have sentences with the word drone in that don't also have the word warfare in them
2: yeah exactly yeah yep uh, we haven't really got time for the last one but why don't we just say it bmw are making owners pay for features like heated seats via subscription we all think it's a shit idea new story is over <laughs> okay over. <laughs>
0: So, we talked um, a couple of shows ago, about very briefly, about uh, Hay, the email service, which uh, sells accounts for uh, $99 a year, and put their app in the App Store, and then got it booted out by Apple, because basically they weren't tithing some of that money to Apple. Um, David Hanemar Hansen, who uh, runs um, Basecamp, the company that makes hay, decided to kick off a big discussion about whether this was fair and whether it's fair that Netflix and Spotify don't have to pay it and um, Apple were put quite on the defensive by this and it seems that that discussion has blown up somewhat into other areas, for example, WordPress.
1: So, WordPress, and I will grant this one is slightly different than the hey one, but for those of you not familiar with WordPress, there is WordPress.com, which offers paid accounts and domain names and some other things. And there's WordPress, the open source software. So, the folks at Automatic, who are the commercial entity part of WordPress.com, have a, because everything's GPL, they have a special license from the WordPress Foundation to offer an iOS app that is the GPL code, but not GPL, since Apple doesn't allow GPL code in the software. It came out that if you went to the support link and then got through a web view and then did some other things, you could eventually see that you could pay for WordPress.com things. But it wasn't in the app in any way. It was a web view, and it wasn't promoted. It was more accidental than anything. So they shut off all updates and said, now you have to do in-app purchases, which would be odd because the WordPress app while it does support wordpress.com, it also supports any site self-hosted or if you host with a, yeah. someone else. So they wanted an in-app purchase that would only go to wordpress.com for
0: an app that did a lot of things. So, And interestingly as well, it wasn't just that they said uh, when someone manages to find their way to this, you have to do in-app purchase. You have to make it easier to buy things. This is what Apple said to WordPress. Like you need to you need to push purchases on people more and then tie 30% of them to us.
1: Right. So Matthew Mullenweg posted if you're if you're wondering why WordPress iOS updates have been absent, we're locked out of the app store. To be able to ship updates and bug fixes again, we had to commit to supporting in app purchases for dot com plans. Yes, I know why this is problematic and I'm open to suggestions. How do we allow others to do an app Purchases, do we have a new name, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Finally, this blew up enough that Apple not only reversed course but issued a very rare apology, which I you almost never see. So no, this is yeah. this one's been resolved, and it was maybe an entire week or so until the next one happened, which is
0: well, then Epic got in on the game. <laughs> now, <laughs> Epic, uh, so Epic is the people who make Fortnite, um, and uh the Epic Game Store, which is sort of a rival of Steam. And um, they're taking an interesting stance on this. Epic are very much about building a platform where um, the money goes to them. They've run into this problem on all sorts of different platforms by having their own payment system and so on and so forth. So um, Fortnite was in the iOS store. Uh, Apple removed it after the game or offered... Um, uh, discount on virtual currency you could buy virtual currency um but they offered a discount if you bought virtual currency outside the app ah yeah so um
1: obviously no, if you, inside it, it, the app not via apple in-app purchases. yeah yeah um
2: okay
0: and, and big because obviously apple take the 30% cut um but uh, epic said We're not paying the fee. Very, very much like Basecamp. This is unfair. This is extortion. Um, You've got a monopoly. Playing into the existing uh, discussion that was already starting to go on, but now it's on a much bigger scale because there's a shed load of Fortnite users. (laughs) Blimey. Um, There's one or two. At which point, um, Apple terminated Fortnite's developer account.
1: (laughs) And this one is different than the previous two in that it's very clear that Epic deliberately took a step by introducing direct payments. That's very against the agreement. Whether you agree with it or not, it's against the agreement. So they knew that it would result in them being banned and, in fact, filed a lawsuit within an hour of it happening. So clearly this was not... The the WordPress one, I think, was accidental, and WordPress did not do a thing on purchase. This was very intentional.
0: I, I think, um, managed to get a bunch of people behind them because what happened to them seems flagrantly unfair. You know, it's Apple going... Um, we want a bunch of this money for no real reason other than the fact that you've got an iOS app. That seems unfair. And people seem to come out against that. The WordPress thing, as far as I can tell, was probably an overzealous reviewer at Apple. Um, but it almost seems yeah. to me that like yeah. there's a
1: KPI somewhere that is number of people you badgered into in-app purchases, yeah. which creates some weird incentives. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is a weird incentive <laughs> awesome thing. But, like this.
0: but exactly yeah. as you say, Epic are not... Victims of this fight, they're deliberately pouring petrol on it.
2: Yeah, they're picking it, right? Yeah, with, yeah. The,
0: with the feeling that they'll come out ahead, which they might do. And to some extent, right, this is one huge corporation taking on another huge corporation, and I'm kind of uh, playing on both your houses a bit here. I don't really care who wins, because we're not going to win as consumers, are we? But um, I do, I do think it's interesting and while all three of these things are different they're all part of a similar a similar overarching narrative i think yes. about is it reasonable that app stores should be um able to charge uh, money on purchases made th- th- with apps you got through them um does that change if the that app store is the only way to get things on that platform is it reasonable to take payments of you know, take cuts out of payments that are made within the apps and so on. And so what I wanted us to do was, um, what we wanted to do was drill into this in a bit more detail. So the um, so the Epic, the WordPress, the Hay stuff is background for the, for the broader picture, I
2: suppose. For the discussion. The broader set yeah. of questions. I have a question, and I don't know if either of you got the answer to this, hmm. is do we know why Apple insists on this in-app payments piece? Because on one hand, you could say, this is because they want a cut of the of 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 the money that's being made. But another way of looking at it could be they want to reduce the risk of people putting their own potentially fraudulent payment gateways into these apps, and they want to protect the the safety of their users.
0: And um, they would say both that and that it's a much easier payment experience if all payments on the platform go through exactly the same right. thing. So you've already, you've already created your Apple account. So purchases are now just essentially one click, and that makes it super easy. But, sorry, they're probably not one click, because I'm sure Amazon hold a patent on that. Um, so, they're one, <laughs> so they're one touch <laughs> payments or something. One um, and a but, half click. Uh, so that, I think Apple, this, yeah. what's interesting to me
1: about the Epic one specifically, but the discussion more broadly, is I think philosophically, they both make interesting arguments and they're each very much colored by the perspective of their respective organizations. Yes. I think Apple's going to tell you very much to, to what X said. We're focused on our customers and our user experience, and we always are going to prioritize quality and, and security and privacy. So we, when you do an in-app purchase, you know only we're billing you and your credit card never leaves. And we, we yep. are vetting all the apps in the app store so that you know that none of them are overtly malicious, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what they're really saying is, And what I think it comes down to where your perspective on this lies is, is a phone a computer in the sense of a general purpose computer? Or is it a very specialized thing that you'd want different rules for? Because if you think it's a computer, that aspect is weird because you should be able to do whatever you want with a platform like a computer, which has typically been the case for computing's history. If you view it as a different thing... I think Apple's argument carries a little bit of water in that there's way more phones out there than computers held by way less technical people and way less problems with weird app installations. And and not that there's no malware, but comparatively... As a percentage, it's infinitesimal compared to broader computing, Oh well, especially yeah. if you take Windows. I,
0: I think it's the disingenuous nature of it that annoys, well, me and a whole bunch of other people. That, exactly as you say, Jeremy, that, um, the Apple line is very much, we're all about the user experience, we're all about consistency on the platform. The fact that anytime anyone spends a dollar while, while standing within 100 yards of an iPhone, we get 30 cents of that, is some kind of cosmic coincidence, which is terribly convenient for us. But it's definitely definitely... definitely not the point. And you're like, uh, it feels very much like what you're doing is saying this happened on an iPhone and it involved money. Therefore, we get some of the money.
2: But is it, is it, I'm not sure if the comparison between phone and computer is the right one. I think it's more about the role of a, an ecosystem, right? So for example, Blockbuster Video would not just stock anything. They 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 would determine what they wanted in their stores, right? Um, you know, they like most blockbuster videos that I've ever been into, for example, didn't stock hardcore pornography, right? And they'd make a, determin- a determination about what they put into their ecosystem. And part of it's probably going to be driven by profits, and part of it's going to be
0: for the protection of their customers, right? A um, I, I, I brief a I brief aside here for our younger listeners in the olden days if you wanted to watch a film you had to put your shoes on walk down to the town (laughs) hand someone some money at which point they would hand you a video cassette you'd take it home and watch it and then you'd have to walk it back to the shop once you would finished with it it's not like that now
2: (laughs) where i don't know if the comparison to a computer makes sense is that uh, and i think you make an interesting point jeremy but like the internet is just a general it's a free-for-all right it's the wild west whereas i think we're comparing that to a curated ecosystem, and Apple have, have been very clear that this is a curated ecosystem, that not everything necessarily gets to go in there. Isn't this just an extension? Playing devil's advocate, isn't this just an extension of
0: that? First of all, don't play devil's advocate. The devil has enough advocates. Look out of the window. But, wow. <laughs> but more importantly... <laughs> wow. Um, that was a
2: salient and very telling um, I think little comment there. the
0: key word you used there is ecosystem. And the question is... If you put the effort into building an ecosystem, how much are you entitled to um, the profit generated within that ecosystem? Um, so the the phone versus computer thing, people tend to compare it to sort of appliances. You know, if I, if money happens on my set-top box, then that's obviously accruing to the company who sold it to me. But that line gets blurred an awful lot when other people are allowed to build apps for that platform so you're building an ecosystem it's not just a device that they gave to you i mean fine if you got any money off an apple newton or something <laughs> where all the th- right. where most of the things on it were provided to you by apple as part of the purchase of the device then yeah that that goes to them I, but but I what think, you're I doing th- is you're yeah. building an ecosystem in which other people are building apps and the the justification for apple deserving 30% of every penny I make by putting my app on their platform is that they brought the platform to people in the first place. And they've certainly asserted that they feel they deserve it, but I have no very clear picture in my head of where where I think the moral boundary on this lies, where I think the truth actually is. Do If you create an ecosystem, are you entitled to... Or some of all of the products of that ecosystem, or are you supposed to derive your money from the production of the ecosystem itself, and not from the not not from all everyone else's money on top of it? You know,
2: I I, I think a lot of this depends, in my mind, on the size. Because if you had, for example, two small ecosystems, right? Let's say. Going back to the Ubuntu days, like Ubuntu phone, and we're building an ecosystem around Ubuntu phone. And then you had, saw, like, what was it called? That, what was that other thing? Saw? What was A that other phone fish. that was really popular? Sailfish, not Sawfish. Mm. Sailfish are building, and let's say uh, Sailfish are building their own ecosystem. In my mind, because they're so small, um, they can really decide what the hell they want to do in, in there, as long as it's within the parameters of law. Um, and then it's up to the developers to choose whether that works for them. Like if if Ubuntu says, we're not going to take any of your revenue, uh, you know, you can run your own payment provider. And Sailfish says, we are going to take 30% of revenue. Then it's up to the developers to choose. Where I think it gets sticky with Apple is they're so big, they're so influential. They're such a large part of the market that if you're an app developer and you're building an app, to be successful, you really need to get your app into the Apple App Store, and therefore your hands are tied. And that's where it gets... It's kind of like the antitrust piece to a degree. That's where, to me, the ethics gets stickier. If it's way smaller, I don't care as much. It's just let the market decide.
0: See, see, to me, uh, from, from my perspective, um, what it's most similar to is taxes. Um, the government creates... An ecosystem, a place for business to happen. And in return for having done that, they take some of the upside of all the businesses by taxing the businesses, right? Um, which is a reasonable thing to do. And that's what government's for. And that's how you finance it and so on. And anyone listening to this who currently thinks, but well, you shouldn't have to pay any taxes is welcome to sod off. But, um, <laughs> but importantly. I mean, I think um, it wouldn't surprise me if some people inside Apple, inside Google, inside Microsoft basically see things that way that it's that's fair. You know, we've created this market from nothing by putting a bunch of money and effort into making it happen. We deserve some of all of the upside of it. The distinction is, and this is what I think it gets back to your point, Jono, about them being big or small, you can't really vote them away if you don't like it.
1: So I, we're talking about a, a couple of different things here. I think first, it, it's clear that given that Apple is a United States company, and the current Supreme Court recent rulings are really clear on businesses, including monopolies here, have have no uh, duty to deal with third parties. That that's the rulings are, are pretty explicit there, and even if they choose to. to to deal with them they're not really compelled to do so on terms which are what i would consider fair it's, it's on, when they on, change Jeremy. rules
2: sorry to interrupt unpack yep. that a little bit what do you mean specifically by that because i this is new to me and probably our listeners as well which they're part? not about dealing with the third parties explain what you're defining as a third party within this context and and that statute uh, so the there's been a couple rulings recently where uh there's there's been questions
1: and it hasn't been a question similar to this one but um right they weren't even in tech to my memory, but they the, the basic ruling was that there's no way to compel a company to do business with another company. With another company. Right. The, okay, which would be a third that. party there. Uh, there are some exceptions around if the monopoly is deemed a monopoly and changes rules and those rules directly impact profits. And there are a couple edge cases, but we're in a Time right now that is very let's call it business friendly, uh, for lack of a better word. So you have to. I, I don't foresee this case from a legal perspective going in Epic's favor. That said, the, the most recent ruling was interesting in that they almost had a split decision because there was two pieces to what Apple did. They basically said if you don't fix this by this date, we're going to kick Fortnite out of the store, and then suspend your account completely which would also impact Unreal Engine, which many third parties use.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Uh, Epic asked for an injunction for both, and what the judge said was, Apple can kick Fortnite out of the store and has done so, but they cannot block your account in a way that impacts uh, Unreal Engine that would be uh, undue harm to your business, which is probably Uh, the right Right. answer in the short term, because that means you're not completely putting Epic out of business yeah but yeah you're you're saying, okay, that one app apple has the right to to kick realistically out realistically
0: here I mean, I don't think um the epic are necessarily looking to win this in court. What they're looking for is a court of public opinion thing which then puts pressure yes. on Apple to change. You know they're not looking for a judge to go, yeah, it's all completely fine, and Epic can do this Apple out uh, in your store, and they don't have to give you any of the money, because a judge is not going to do that, as Jeremy says. Yep. But yep. um they're slightly wagering that most people who play Fortnite are more loyal to Fortnite than they are to their iPhones, which is a big pitch, but you know, you've got to be in it to win it, right? <laughs> um
1: uh so uh, two two things there though. I think Apple probably in the long term is overplaying its hand here. And I don't mean with Epic, I mean with developers. Because in the end, an iPhone without apps is useless. Yes. It's a very expensive, useless device. So I think, I I don't know that a company as popular as Apple's platform has been so anti-developer friendly ever in the history of computing. Like they're really setting the bar here in a way that Microsoft was very antagonistic to partners and to competitors, certainly. I would say predatory even. They were always very friendly with developers.
0: Uh well yeah. well, but this is not a new Apple thing. You know, I mean um, I think
1: it is. Don't forget there was a time where Apple really courted developers because they had to and I think that comes back to why Apple is doing this now. I think Apple had to go to Adobe back in the day and almost beg for them to support the platform in a way that kept Apple in business. And they will never forget that and never give up control again. I think this about Apple is not about consumers. It's not about anything. It's not about profitability even. It's about control. And they lost control once and they don't ever want to lose control again. And until you see the senior people from Apple gone, I think the fear of losing control dictates every decision that they make at the high level.
0: I, I, I would I would certainly agree with that. I just think that um, it's not all been happiness and light developing on Apple platforms. I mean, there were times where um, you could get away with making small apps, but if you made a big app, what happened would Apple would just copy it and put you out of business the next day? I mean, they created Claris and then undercut them. It's,
1: <laughs> you know. So I, I think they've been unfriendly to developers for a long time, to your point, yes.
0: Yeah, but, uh, but but I completely agree with you. It's about control. What's interesting is Google have done the same thing here with um, uh, Fortnite. Right, kicked out of the store for not paying for not um, tithing payments to Google. What's the difference between um, Android and iOS is that you can sideload apps on Android. Now, um, Android goes out of its way to say this is quite dangerous and you shouldn't do it and blah blah blah. But you can do it, and that's a reasonable hatch for Epic to step through to say if you want Fortnite, go and get it from the Epic Android Game Store and sideload it. Or sideload the, uh, what they actually want to do is sideload the, app. you know. Yeah, but what proportion F- of their Epic audience
2: store. are actually going to do that?
0: Well, bear in mind that... um
2: the- guessing it's like 5% of their audience will sideload uh, apps.
0: But are you sure about that? I mean, we're talking about people yes. who play Fortnite, so they're slightly tech savvy. Not a lot, because gamers are normal people.
2: Why? Why what? A lot of kids play Fortnite. They're going to yeah. have any
0: idea of how to sideload apps. I utterly, utterly disagree with you. A lot of seven-year-olds with with play it utterly disagree with you especially since it's not like they have to do it by googling around for a forum where they can download the apk the fortnite website will say in explicit detail do this then do this then do this then you've got if you think that if
2: you think that that so many people are comfortable with sideloading apps why aren't more games and applications available like I, whenever I've gone to any website and people and and it shows you how to install an app on a phone, they never talk about right. sideloading apps.
0: And the reason why is isn't that more popular? I certainly agree with you that it's more difficult to sideload apps than it is just go and find them in the Play Store. But everyone else has not been prepared to say we're going to take that hit in order to maintain control ourselves. And Epic are prepared to do that,
2: right? But this is where I think it's a like you said a battle of public opinion. What I'm saying is. Yes. What I'm saying is if you think that sideloading apps is as simple and the audience are as open to it as you say they are, what like we don't have any numbers on this, obviously, but I would have thought that if it is that simple and people are very comfortable with doing it, then you would see it as a common installation option for people.
0: I I, I think it's I think it's midway midway in between the two. You will certainly lose a bunch of people by talking to people through sideloading.
1: Yes. I agree with you completely. I would agree with John, although it's not to some people, it's
2: majority of people i i think it's like 80 percent of people will not i don't know if i'd go there
1: i'll go with majority for
0: sure i don't don't know that it is i think i I mean i I have no statistics on this and i have looked into it a little bit and i don't even know how you'd find statistics on this i don't yeah i don't think it's something that's trackable yeah um
2: yeah but i think the only data we can possibly have is how common it how how publicizes it in the market yeah.
0: but you can absolutely imagine for example public demand um pushing on google um at first and then apple later to make it easier to maybe sideload apps from known providers for example i mean to give you another example amazon did this right they wanted you to um sideload the amazon app store or on amazon specific devices um you it just had, came with
1: the app store
0: right? you had it just came with the amazon app store which had like three apps in it so people are, i mean and amazon have largely gone well that didn't work because it didn't <laughs> but i yeah. think with pressure on this you can you can certainly imagine there being a distinction between sideloading some random apk that you've downloaded off of xda forums and sideloading a known game from a known publisher with known signatures and I don't know where the public pressure thing lies on that. And Apple allowing sideloading at all would be a miraculous victory for Epic. I think the, the, really the tricks here is- here allow you to
1: s- install apps via your own self signing. Like, even that's a hassle, let alone yeah, side yeah, load, yeah. real sideloading.
0: Building an, building an IPA I, and getting it installed, you can do a test flight or something. But yeah, it's not Right.
2: I, I think where, where I imagine this is difficult as well is that while dorks like us, are very interested in this topic. I bet you anything that 98% of the Fortnite players, A, don't care about this, and B, are not like probably aren't unaware of this. Uh, like the hardcore Fortnite people will probably know about this in the same way that the hardcore gamers know about all the specs of the PS5 and the Xbox Series xs and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. But um, I think the challenge here is I think most people probably are like, sure, I've got an iPhone, I'll just use Apple Pay, whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, because if you're going to have an iPhone, you're probably going to use Apple Pay.
1: I would be a fan of if an app was $10, they charge you $10, and there was a separate line item that said app store fee, $3. Yeah. Right. Would be a much more fair model than it is now.
2: More transparency. Yes. Because
1: yeah. then I think yeah. if people cared, they would at least know, okay, Apple's making 30% of everything I buy. Do I think that's fair? Do Is this a purchase I would like to proceed with? Not only does Apple not break it out... They actively stop you from saying that there's a charge in there that is an app app store fee to the point that if you say it, they'll kick you out of the store, which is a little weird.
0: I find, but this is this, this is this is the control okay. thing yeah. i mean they want control but they don't like people saying they've got control because their big picture message is you look at you know the 1984 ad which epic have done a imitation yeah. of right funny. that's um apple still like to present themselves as the um the brave liberators pushing back against the oppressive computer technologists you're like no did you people have become the enemy you are babylon at yes. this point right Pack it in um <laughs> um the other thing that i'm kind of
2: yeah go ahead which, go
0: ahead. which um and, and that's what i think's interesting uh, the, the thing which concerns me about your breakout separate line item thing is doesn't that like make you like all those passive aggressive restaurants who break out um state tax as a separate line item just to go look it's not us charging it it's the government <laughs> and
2: i actually think that's a good thing well,
0: no i think they're legally required to do so oh really Oh, I okay. would you
1: just roll it into the bill without saying what went where.
0: Then I sta- Well, the thing is Be- because that the you thing you is, pay. This this is what you pay, you know. Yeah, but I
2: I think it's good because like if I'm a restaurant, right? Let's say let's say there's a $25 bill and for the sake of argument $3 of that bill are going towards local taxes and whatever else. Um and then I hear people complaining about pi- you know maybe a more price sensitive restaurant people complaining about the prices i'd be really pissed off as a restaurant owner and like well i don't want to charge you this like this is this is part and parcel of doing business in this state and i can imagine epic thinking like that they would want to or other app developers being able to say like sure yeah a third of 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 what you're paying is actually going towards apple i actually think that legally they should have to do that like no them saying that they don't want to do that to me is shady like that's just covering your tracks and i think they should be required to do that what i'm kind of surprised by is is why um uh apple and google haven't come up with some kind of special arrangement for large companies where you have like a partner well, agreement and then they can accept other they things.
0: have done just not for games because they have done for netflix they have done for spotify Uh, So Uh, Netflix is a great
1: example of why Apple's policies are terrible for consumers, terrible for developers, and terrible in the long run for Apple, I think, (laughs) is if you log into something like Netflix on an iDevice, you get nothing but a login screen. You don't get how to sign up for a Netflix account, which you might know how to do, but some people don't. You don't get anything about pricing or even what the app does because of their model and the fact that you can't say you have to charge and you can't charge for an account in the app store because they'd have to pay the in-app fee. There's just a login, which is the worst conceivable UI I can think it's of. It's yes. Yeah. But it's, it's terrible. all getting around Apple's policies. But that's not a good experience for any of the people in the chain from Apple to consumers,
0: And that's, which means and they that's should probably rethink what, things a little. But that's what gives the lie, in my opinion, to Apple's claims that it's all about providing a slick, great user experience. It's, we're happy to provide a slick, great user experience um, as long as we get our cut. If we don't get our cut... Crappy user experience is fine, but they can't afford to say, well, we don't want Netflix because everyone's got Netflix and wants to watch it on their iPad or their iPhone. If they don't have it, then they'll go, but I want to watch it on my phone and they'll stop buying iPhones. There are half a dozen brands maybe where people are perhaps more loyal to those brands than the iPhone. Um, Netflix is probably one of them. Amazon might be one. Um, But I think even just
1: Spotify and Netflix leaving the platform would have a material impact on their revenue.
0: Absolutely. That's what I mean. So those brands are, people are perhaps more loyal to them than they are to their iPhone. I think Epic are gambling that Fortnite's in that class.
1: So it's I, will I, show whether it is. Of, so part of this is definitely his, the CEO's and founder's personality. Sweetie, but I think yeah. he's also hoping or, or that Tim Cook. <laughs> if one or two of these other big names that we were talking yeah. about say, you know what? Now, I, gauging on the response to them, I think the tide has changed. I'm going to strike now while the iron is hot. I yeah. think they're trying to spark that flame.
2: Yeah, start a
1: wave. Whether a- they will, Mexican I'm not sure.
0: Wave. And if they do start a wave, it's a big problem it's for Apple. It's a big Apple. wave. It is.
2: So we should pull this into the finish line. Um, what do you all think, people in the Bad Voltage community? Do you agree with what Apple are doing? Do you disagree with them? Where do you think the line should be drawn in terms of payments? within apps let us know what you think on the slack channel we always love to hear I, these I'm interested there's a hear. lot more of the conversation here so I was going to say yeah. there's a
1: couple threads I think that we could what do you think would be a better alternative is anyone else but yeah. me surprised because I have my thoughts on there so I'll, I'll bring it to the forum on, on what I think is a good solution I'm also surprised that Google has not jumped on this to differentiate Android in a meaningful yeah. way for both developers and consumers but they're just like yep, yeah, Apple charges 30% we're going to do the exact same thing <laughs> which is just Strikes me as is yeah. odd given the position they're in.
0: And as Jerry says, I'm yep. very interested in hearing not just I think this is unfair that Apple are doing this, because basically no one thinks it's fair and a good idea. What I'm interested in hearing is what a better alternative would be. Yes. That still keeps yep. everyone paid and still keeps every business going. Um yep. but is Indeed. but fulfills our desires for fairness. Alrighty,
2: well, thank you everybody for listening. It was great to have you here, Um, and I guess we'll see everyone on the other side. Who's in Is it me? Yeah.
0: Don't we have to do a count first? Oh. That's why we're sitting about waiting for you, dipshit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think we should leave this out of the show, Marius. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to him. One, two, three, four. You dick. (laughs) What (laughs) what professional. Counting, not as easy as you would think. (laughs) It is very complicated, and I'm not a vampire. All right.